Hey everybody, and welcome back to Asian's Talking Puck. It's Ahan here, joined by Josiah. Today begins our coverage of the NHL's playoff push and the trade deadline. In this episode, we'll be breaking down a number of trades that occurred at this year's deadline, and in our next episode, we'll finish covering the moves made at the deadline. With that said, since we have a lot to talk about, I'll throw it over to Josiah to get us started. All right, so we're going to start off with Perhaps the biggest name on this list, uh, you know, probably not statistically um, sort of the, the biggest uh, impact, but, you know, I, I think I think uh, everyone will know him. So we're going to start with the Chicago Blackhawks trading Marc-Andre Fleury to the Minnesota Wild. So uh, in this trade, the Minnesota Wild receive just Marc-Andre Fleury and the Chicago Blackhawks receive a conditional pick in the 2022 NHL draft. Now, the conditions on this are a little bit um they're a little bit weird, so I'm going to do my best to explain it here. Uh so basically, it will be at least a second round pick that goes to Chicago. Now, if Marc-Andre if the Minnesota Wild as a team advance to the Western Conference Final and Flurry wins at least four games in the first and second rounds, then that pick gets upgraded to a first round pick in 2022. So the Wild are definitely gambling here on their their chances. But, you know, even still, I think, you know, with, with the way some of these other trades were going, a single first round pick for a, you know, a pretty good playoff rental in Flurry, I, I think is, is all right. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think that um, this could be considered an underpayment or an overpayment, depending on who you ask. If you're thinking in terms of long-term futures, trading away Kapo Kakinen, who I believe is on the younger side, um, that's a bit of a loss right there because he's a he's a starter goalie. That's that's what I see in him. Yeah. But at the same time, you can think, well, um, this is Marc Andre Fleury. He has three cups to his name, three, I believe. Um, and he's got all the playoff experience. He's the reigning Vesna winner. This is the guy that you should be paying for, and we got him for a second rounder to a first rounder. That's unreal, and um, that's what I think on that front. Um, so I think also, Chicago won that, though, with um, not won that, but perhaps actually, yeah, I think they won that because they just got a free pick. They didn't. Yeah. And they acquired him. For they're him. not making the playoffs. So. Exactly. And to be clear, for those of you who don't remember, Flurry went to Chicago on um, on uh, for future considerations. So this is actually like a return with with nothing. Like they didn't yeah. have to give up anything from. Sorry, I cut you off there. Go ahead. No, you're good. Uh, a quick note I wanted to say: Capo uh, Kakinen was traded in a separate trade, which uh, the details of that are here. Uh, so the they actually traded him to the San Jose Sharks. Uh, they traded him along with a fifth-round pick in the 2022 NHL draft uh, in exchange for defenseman Jacob Middleton. So just to clarify, the Kapokokkanen trade is separate from this one uh, with the Blackhawks, just to clear that up. Um, but yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think, uh, you know, I think Chicago has a lot to like about this trade. Um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm happy for Fleury too, because I believe he was pretty heavily involved in that decision to go to Minnesota. Cause I believe he had, did he have some sort of, uh, no movement clause on his contract? Um, I want to say that, um, he didn't have a no move clause, but he might've, I know that he was weighing into that decision. 
um, because of the Blackhawks were going to get a return out of this either way. Yeah. So I think that's part of why he had a choice and also out of respect for him, something that mm-hmm. Vegas didn't do. I will check on that in a second about whether he did have the no move clause. Yeah. So moving on to Vegas, um, there was a trade that was attempted by Vegas, uh, which we'll cover here. So, uh, so the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, for a little bit of context, uh, are, are in a little bit of a, a cap crunch here. So, you know, they're 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 trying to get away with essentially pulling a uh, last year's Tampa Bay Lightning. So what they they tried to do is they tried to trade Evgeny Dadanov to the Anaheim Ducks. So that was the attempt because Dadanov uh, has a five million dollar cap hit. So you know, getting rid of him helps alleviate some cap issues. Um, I don't remember the details of that exactly. Oh, it was okay. So so uh, they attempted to trade him to the Anaheim Ducks in return for defenseman John Moore and the contract of Ryan Kessler. So, and basically what happened was is Dadanov had a no trade uh, clause in his contract that he signed a few years ago with the Ottawa Senators. Now, where this got all messed up is hard to say. You know, did Ottawa never send this to Vegas? You know, what happens there is it's a little it's a little cloudy right now, but essentially, I'm gonna assume Vegas didn't know that as opposed to purposely trying to trade out of it because I don't I don't think it would make any sense for them to attempt trading through a no movement clause. Um, Evgeny Dadanov did say that the reason he had Anaheim on his no trade clause, he actually had all the California teams there, uh, and he he said it was because the taxes were too high. So uh, smart guy there, but um, yeah, so basically. The trade didn't go through, and Evgeny Dadanov is still with the Vegas Golden Knights. And as you know, as these things go, he would go on to score with his next game back. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on sort of the whole Vegas cap crunch situation that they're going through? Yeah, sure. Before I get to that, um, um, Mark Andre Fleury did have a no move clause. He okay. actually has the same one that um that Dadnov has it's a modified yeah. no move clause where you can choose 10 teams that you don't want to go to or, so, or perhaps it's 10 teams that you can go to um no yeah it's a 10 team no trade clause that's how okay. it works um I, I was right on that the first time i'm not going to question myself i <laughs> <Yeah>. know <laughs> contracts work um yeah i think that um this is going to get really hairy for vegas they've had so many injury issues they're going to be out without patch ready for the rest of the season. So I bet you they're glad that they have Dadanov because his scoring presence is definitely useful. He's a guy that's going to get him 20 goals this season. I would assume yeah. it was um, interesting that they traded him out. Cause he was, he was doing pretty well yeah, leading up to the deadline. I think so too. Um, and I thought that he was a great pickup. He really could help with their scoring issues from the playoffs and whatnot. So yeah. I'm surprised that they want to get rid of him. What's really interesting though, is, um, the GMs are going to be having a meeting about LTIR. I did see that. Yeah. yeah that, so that's going to be the question is, are we going to have another um, Buffalo Dallas situation where um, teams are going to be talking about whether rules were changed or not? For those of you who don't yeah. know what I'm referencing, um, back in 1999, when the Dallas Stars won the Stanley Cup, Brett Hull's foot was in the crease on, I believe it was the cup clinching goal. Or maybe it wasn't, but on a very important goal. This is before my time, um, and Josiah, so I don't I don't actually know. But um 
the rules had been changed that very season. Um, and then Buffalo was trying to suggest that, no, the rules haven't changed. It's our cup. We should win. While Dallas um, won the, um, the dispute and the NHL ruled that, no, the rule had been changed. So are we going to get a situation like that where some teams are going to have these exorbitant um, LTIRs and they're going to, when the salad cap goes away during the playoffs, they're going to pile it all into their roster and they're going to go and pull a Tampa and be 20 million over the cap and then win. And then you're going to have the other team saying, whoa, 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 we changed this. Um, so I'm curious to see what's, what's going to happen. Cause if they're, if the GMs are meeting about it, that means that some GMs are not happy with the state of the cap. Yeah. There was another comment. I don't remember who it came from, but they did also say that, the GMs, though, even though they do want to change it, there's not any sort of animosity towards the Tampa Bay Lightning because the GMs said they understand that, you know, it's kind of their job to find loopholes like that. And, you know, yes, the rules should be changed. But at the end of the day, I don't think anyone's blaming Tampa for trying uh, because it's, you know, it's, it's just the nature of their job. Absolutely. And in general, um, I think that that trade... Um, I don't see anything wrong with it um, beyond the fact that they're getting rid of a, for at least I don't see anything wrong with it in terms of cap purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, that's, that's honestly fine by me. I'm just surprised that they'd want to get rid of him and maybe not somebody else. Like I was thinking, has William Carlson really been worth the money that he's getting paid? Yeah, that's that's um, the most notable contract to me on this list is William Carlson. Yeah, how much is he getting paid again? He's getting paid five point nine million. Yeah, so he's getting paid about the same as Dadnov, and I don't think that he's necessarily worth that much. Now I know he has a scoring touch and that he had that forty goal season. Yeah. But this season, from the eye test perspective, he really hasn't looked all that outstanding there are a lot of names i mean i he's looked to me similar to dadnov in terms of play um i don't know if the stats reflect that as much and and just not not just this past season the the few seasons before that the highest amount of goals he's put up since that uh the the vegas uh stanley cup final team was 24 and after that, it was 15 and 14, although given those were shorter seasons. But, you know, he yeah, hasn't put up anything more. close to a 43-goal season since then. Yeah, and Adnoff still scored more. So, yeah, it's just an interesting yeah. trade. I guess I guess it makes sense for money moves, but I feel like there are better options there. And what yeah. were they getting back in return? It was like, wasn't they, weren't they getting like Kessler's contract or something? They were, which I'm trying to find what Kessler's, Kessler's contract. I don't know if they're, they're still paying him that big, big ticket deal. I think it might be down to like, no I, did they did they did they buy him out i can't remember they did yeah so maybe they're using the buyout money or, or is he on ltir i'm not sure what the situation there i think is. he would be on ltir which That's is i think, think why too. they were yeah. yeah so i don't understand why they would trade that out um so, so another yeah, another thing here just to to put a little context to this whole vegas situation so their ltir list right now is, has three players on it although really two of them are, are notable um they actually announced, I believe it was today or yesterday, that they're putting uh, Riley Smith on LTIR. So that gives them $5 million, uh relief there. However, Mark Stone is still on LTIR, and he carries a cap hit of $9.5 million. So I don't know what the... I don't remember what Mark Stone's timetable for return is, but if either of those two players you know, want to come back, 
they're they're going to have to find a way to do it. Now, here's the here's the thing is they because they still haven't amended this whole loophole thing. The Vegas Golden Knights, once they get into the playoffs, it doesn't matter. The cap for you know this is and this is the whole issue they're trying to fix is basically in the playoffs. The 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 salary cap is non-existent essentially. So you know you can bring back guys from LTIR. However. To do that, Vegas has to make the playoffs, which is the big thing that I've seen pop up because Vegas currently, uh, I don't remember if they're in a playoff spot or they're right out of it, but they're not they're not a guaranteed playoff team right now, and they're going to need people for that final push. So figuring out who you, who you manage around is going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, it is pretty interesting. And I was just taking a look on Cap Friendly here again. Um, so Kessler was getting the 6.875 um, big ticket contract, but again, he's on IR, a uh, long-term IR too. So I don't really understand um, why they traded him. Um, I think if that actually went through, Anaheim would have fleeced um, uh, for how they're working. I think perhaps it's John Moore who is um, who might be the person that we're looking at here in terms of um, uh relevance because he is um he's 31 and he's a defenseman and perhaps vegas is looking to beef up their defense but again um he hasn't played all that much this season so not quite sure exactly um what's going on there but um yeah a weird trade and i think that with vegas um Jack Eichel's beginning to perform, and there's a joke that this is the Jack Eichel curse. They're having cap problems, and I feel bad for them. They have so many injuries, but at the same time, they beat us last year, so no regrets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another notable thing is they did, when they put Riley Smith on LTIR, they pulled up uh, Alec Martinez because he was he was one of those names that at the time of the trade was on LTIR. So it feels like Vegas is trying to do a little bit of managing. I really don't know what they're going to do. Uh, frankly, you know, they've got, they've got a decent bit to uh, figure out here. They have a ton and, of money that's spent on yeah. so many players. Here. And also the other thing is Robin Leonard's currently on IR. He's not on LTIR, but so they, they don't have, yeah, another Leonard dressed right now for the true. Roster, so. so another question: Why? Why do you think they didn't trade for a goalie? Like, like I know their GM said Flurry's not coming back here. Why? You had fairly rightfully so. This is like <laughs> this is like that. You have so many goaltending issues. You could have brought him back, or you yeah. could have gotten Kapil Kakin. Well, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Is Flurry really going to go back to Vegas? I mean, the fans were good, right? Yeah, where, I mean, I I would doubt Flurry would return to Vegas yeah, after. Yeah, or what about Peter Morosic? They could have claimed him off waivers. Like he's a decent that's, backup. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Why they didn't claim him off also, waivers? Also, he, he cleared waivers, didn't he? Like no one took him. He did, yeah. Which so. makes no sense. I thought the Oilers would have taken him for sure since they have. Yeah, a, that's the a, thing is, and I don't know what rack. it is with Toronto and goalies. I know that I would know this well because. You know, we've had on the Hurricanes a decent number of former Toronto goalies. I mean, we had Reimer, and now we have Anderson, which Toronto just makes goalies look bad. I don't really know if there's any other way to put it. It's just every goalie I feel looks bad in Toronto, and then they go to a you know they go to a different team. Like Reimer looked great for us, and then Anderson is putting up Vesna numbers now. Yeah, this is what happens when you have no defense. (laughs) You send goalie. Goalie is just that's their graveyard. Yeah, Philly but the thing and is, Toronto are goalie graveyards. 
Yeah, but the the thing is, I'm I'm really curious as to why no team, you know, looked at that and was like, hey, you know, Mrazek might be getting a little, you know, might be getting a worse rap than he he actually deserves. And I don't he understand why they were guys last him. year. Yeah, no, he was he was great for us. Yeah, I mean, so he's a weird. little he's a little streaky at times, but when he's playing well, he's playing very well. Yeah, he's just very aggressive as a goaltender. He's out of his yeah. crease a fair mm-hmm. amount. But I think still, actually his weird. goals against average last season, I want to say, was around two flat. I know there were points like halfway through the season where it was under two. He was he was a stud for us last yeah, year. Yeah, so so another interesting i don't want to call it stupid because i'm not an nhl gm i have yeah. <laughs> i have no opinions i'm not, i'm not i don't have the experience <laughs> for that but um a weird decision um nonetheless um so yeah so overall some weird stuff going on with vegas where as you saw or listen just now on the podcast we didn't even understand the, the vegas situation properly we didn't understand because we assumed the kessler contract was a mini one that's why they'd absorb it or Something like that. So as you can see here, even we're confused by what's going on at the trade yeah. deadline. <laughs> there's because there's so much just that's like very just hidden, like little details that are hidden in all these workings that yeah. If you're a GM, you probably know there's probably a lot we don't we don't exactly. understand. But you know, looking at it at, at face value, it's it's yeah. interesting. I uh, wanna ask um Verbeek and uh, and um the Vegas general manager, I'm not sure who it is. Um, what exactly was the idea behind that deal? Was Anaheim getting Dadanov, um, and just helping cap problems? That must've been what it was. That must've been cap fully cap relief because Kessler would go in LTIR. Yeah. Um, and they got to trade something back. And I guess John Moore changes scenery just to make the numbers work. And it's basically a full cap dump. But when that happens, I would have assumed that, um, yeah, just a weird, weirder situation. It, I wouldn't have traded Dadnov in that situation. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, that's the, I guess, I guess we have understood that trade now that it was a cap dump, but a weird one to say the say the yeah. least. Yeah. So moving on here, in terms of trades that no one understands, um, <laughs> the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> and uh steve eiserman yeah now normally let's think about this here like eiserman is a good gm he he has a way to make things work really really well <laughs> so when they traded vadislav nemesnikov to the dallas stars for a fourth round pick and they retained all of nemesnikov's salary What's going on there? What are your thoughts there? All right. So as an Avalanche fan, we had Nemesnikov for a while. That's right. You did trade him for a fourth round pick too, because um, Joe Sackick, Fleece Iserman, you know, they love their they love trading for those fourth round picks. That's mm-hmm. that's also what Curtis McDermott was traded for, if I recall yeah. properly. So oh, that sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah, so some suspect trades there. I have no idea why they'd retain his salary. <laughs> um Nemesnikov's not worth that. Um if they had retained a salary, um, I would have said give him a third round pick. Or if the fourth is who's the fourth coming from again? Um, uh, it's coming from Detroit. Is it no, 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 Dallas, Dallas. Is it Dallas's own pick though, or is it somebody else's fourth? Uh, let me. Because that's a look. that's the question I want to ask. Because if it's Dallas's fourth, then it makes sense. 
if it's if it's who I think it's fourth is, um, then it's not uh, like a yes. It is Dallas's own. Okay, that makes sense then, because that's going to be an early fourth round pick, so practically a late third. So, um, yeah. not the weirdest trade from my standpoint, because Nemesnikov's fine. He'll be okay in the lineup, and his salary is not that much. He's getting paid like one two million, so they're not yeah. actually going to retain that much, and his contract goes up um pretty soon. So, um. That's okay. I want to talk more about the Troy Stetcher, Travis Hamnick thing. Because how does Troy Stetcher go for as much as he did, but Hamnick goes for more? Isn't Troy Stetcher supposed to be much better than Travis Hamnick? Yeah, that was interesting. There's, yeah, I agree with you. I, I do think Troy Stetcher, you know, would go for more, but uh, I'm trying to see here. Maybe was there any salary type stuff? Like maybe Hamannick was being retained. I'm trying to find it here because that that also tends to play into it where it's like some things are a little weird. But um, yeah, because in general, and it makes sense with the way that the the salary cap has been. I feel like most of these trades had some sort of retention built into them. I, at least I feel much more than in previous years. Like I felt like I I often saw 50% retention or something something going on there. Um, which, you know, makes sense with the, the flatter salary cap, but yeah, this dude went for a third round pick for Stetcher a, did? no, um, Hamannick. Hamannick for a third round pick. That's, that's, um, yeah. That's and crazy. then Stetcher goes for a seventh rounder. So, exactly. I mean, I'm not saying seventh rounders are worthless, but you know, the percentage, no, it's like, they're it's worthless. like one or 2% of seventh rounders that ever get any NHL playing time. So they're worthless, you know, <laughs> don't, don't kid me. I'm not, I'm not one. The, I mean, we've got a player right now who I believe was a sixth or seventh round pick. Okay. Six um, round picks can be hits. I've never seen. Wasn't okay. It was either they were six or seventh rounders, Jamie, Ben, and uh, who was I know it? Lung- I know Lundqvist was also like a seventh round. Lundqvist was like six or seven. It was uh, but... who was it? I'm trying to. It was Datsuk. Was like what, yeah, what he was, was he was a late rounder. Yeah, he was. But back in those days, like even like I would even say ten years ago, scouting wasn't the same. Like yeah, ten years yeah, ago, I, I could not go on YouTube, search up a kid's name who was like central scouted at um at like two twenty. And yeah. then see see his highlights. Like well, you just don't see that. Even in the uh, even in the seventies, do you know the whole uh, Tari Sujimoto story? No, I don't. Tell me about okay. this. Okay, so I want to say it was seventy four or something. So long before either of us here, but I, I remember reading about this. Um, the Buffalo Sabers were 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 drafting, and you know back then the the draft was very different it wasn't open to the public it was done completely over the phone so as you can imagine this thing took forever right and so the uh buffalo sabers the gm at the time i can't remember who it was got so fed up with um the draft taking so long that he drafted a player by the name of tari sujimoto from the i want to say it was like the the Tokyo katanas or something like he just made up this thing in this theoretical Japanese team this guy didn't exist at all like (laughs) he does not exist but um you know back then they had no way to fact check it so I don't remember how long it took for them for the NHL to figure out that hey this guy's not real um but yeah just kind of going back to how the the draft was different that's you know stuff like that happens (laughs) 
Yeah, I always think the draft and the trade led trade deadline are pretty confusing because there's so many yeah. so many things that GMs do that yeah. are just like trolls. Um, yeah, I don't I don't understand. Like, there's yeah. so much that like just... like there's so many questions. Like you see us here, we're talking about trades, and you can take it at face value and say, oh, fourth. But then, as you see here, who's fourth is it? Because that's a huge deal. Yeah. Because if you yeah, get a definitely. late fourth round pick, it's a fifth rounder. If you get an mm-hmm. early fourth round pick you're in the third round and the third round is known for being a sleeper round. Like there's a lot of good players in the league who come out of the third round. Yeah. Or even if you, or even if you think about it, like who's second rounder because sec uh, early second, early second rounder is a first rounder. Really. That's the, yeah. that's the quality of talent you're going to get. You're going to get mm. a Sebastian Ajo in that situation, potentially Yeah, that... a late second <laughs> rounder. You might just get a guy who ends up in the AHL for the rest of his career. It's like a, you might get a Zachary Zenishin, right? So, mm-hmm. Versus an Aho or or a Kyle Connor or someone who goes. To be fair later. though, that 2015 draft. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> there, that was just that was unusual how talented that, was that draft was. Because so I think it was like what almost every player from the first round is like a full time NHLer yeah. now, and then like half the players from the second round are too. Yeah. Like it's they insane. Almost missed the on talent. the brusque. They did miss on Jacob Jacob Zavorial, and yeah. they missed on Zachary Zenishin. Now think they could have had Kyle Connor. They could have had Thomas Shabbat. I think they could have had Kyle Connor. I know they could have had Thomas Shabbat and Matt Barzell. And uh, in the fifth round, a man by the name Kirill Kaprizov was taken. Yeah. Whose fifth rounder did that belong to? <laughs> the Boston Bruins, ladies and gentlemen. What an L. <laughs> they could have yeah. had Kirill the Thrill. They could have had Barzell. They could have had Shabbat. We would not be worrying about Boston, you know, fading and, and dropping off the face of the planet with their struggles um and instead we're talking about it right like mm-hmm. they could have been so good so i don't know yeah there's some as as much as i like uh i think it was ron francis at the time drafting aho in the second round that was such a good second round pick but his first round picks in 2014 15 and 16 were all just not great at all. Like uh, 2014 was, I believe, uh, I want to say it was Hayden Flurry, and underneath him were like William Nylander, several other good players. 2015, hear this out. Uh, Carolina had the fifth overall pick, and they picked Noah Hannafin, which you know he's he's all right, but below him was uh, Ivan Provorov, Zach Wierenski, Miko Rantanen, like the, you know, Jake DeBrusque. There were Matthew Barzal was drafted. Uh, afterwards so the ron francis era was not not too great in carolina but anyways yeah the little <laughs> little bit of a tangent yeah there. we'll see how he does in um in uh in seattle coming up yeah i'm um, really curious seattle's draft or trade deadline strategy has been very interesting i saw i think i saw on social media somewhere something how seattle basically just kidnapped everyone's players and is trading them back for second round picks now because <laughs> they uh they they traded obviously vanacek back right after the draft uh they traded johansson back although i don't think they got johansson from washington but they p- traded mason appleton back to the jets like they have a very unique strategy here we'll just put it that way yeah and we'll hit some minor tra- yeah definitely and um i just want to say that we're gonna hit some minor trades here just for yeah some of you other um folks out there who don't care as much for some of these bigger trades so i'll start us off with the boston bruins acquired josh brown in a conditional seventh round pick in the 2022 nhl draft from the ottawa senators in exchange for 
Zachary Zinishin and a fifth rounder in the 2022 draft. Um, for me, it's pretty straightforward trade. The Bruins are acquiring a big physical guy, Josh Brown, six five two seven. I think I think the Bruins take that one. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a fine trade in terms of picks. There, um, they're like getting we said a about rounder. yeah, yeah like good. we said about those lower round picks. I mean, yeah, I mean, even it's a conditional seventh rounder, it doesn't matter what the conditions are. It's basically yeah. the fifth versus the seventh. Um, you will probably get a player difference. But nothing too crazy. Zachary yeah. Senishin was a bit of a bust, so they had to pay a little bit more to get uh, a player back. Um, so I'm fine with that. They didn't lose. They didn't lose anything there. I think Josh yeah. Brown would be good for them. Um, do you uh, want to hit some of the other ones? Some of yeah, another minor. Ones? This one's not super minor, but it's it's not a huge one. Uh, Florida Panthers acquired defenseman Robert Hag from the Buffalo Sabers in exchange for a sixth round pick in the 2022 NHL draft. So figuring the Panthers are probably going to go far. This year, that's going to be a late sixth rounder, I'd have to imagine. I think that's a good trade for them. Uh, I mean, Hag was never super great. I think he was a little more overhyped. Um, but, you know, you know, decent defenseman for them. Gives them more depth options. You know, I like that trade for Florida. Yeah, when injuries um, come in, a guy like that's pretty good. And he's physical. Yeah. He's big. Yeah, um, he is. He's, he's 207, 6'2". So, um, good pick Good pick up there. No, no complaints. Yeah. Uh, another minor one we've got here. I guess this, again, is sort of a mid-level one, but uh, the Calgary Flames acquire forward Callie Yarncrock from the Seattle Kraken in exchange for a second rounder in 2022, a third rounder in 2023, and a seventh rounder in 2024. I like that trade for Calgary. I mean, it's hard to say whether or not it's an overpay. I think I think it's fairly even. It could swing either way. Obviously, depending on how Yarncrock plays. But Yarncrock has been a good middle six forward for. I mean, he was most known in Nashville. I remember watching him with Nashville a decent bit. You know, he was he was pretty good. So I I like that for for Calgary. On a team, you know, with Calgary being a team that needs more scoring help too, I think that's that's a good addition for them. Yeah, I agree on that one too. Um, that's pretty straightforward. Um, some of the other interesting or smaller ones here. This is a an Avalanche trade. Cogliano goes to the Avalanche. That one. Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, for a fifth rounder from uh, uh, in the twenty twenty four NHL draft. That one's pretty straightforward to me. Andrew Cogliano is a big physical guy. He's 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 pretty good in terms of foot speed. I've watched a few games. Should be good. Should be physical. You always want more depth, as we were talking about. Injuries happen. Uh, I think Sakic was pretty clear in the press conference. He said, um, "You need to have depth. You need to have physicality. We haven't had it in the past. We run into injuries. The more guys with NHL experience we have, the better, because the Abs are going to push out a real NHL player. If you look at the bottom six, yeah, when it's fully healthy, you're looking at a bottom six that includes Logan O'Connor, um, Nico Sturm." Nicholas Abe Kubel, JT Comfer, um, Alex Newhook, um, Darren Helm, Andrew Cogliano, Ar- Arturi Lekanen. That's, that's I like few, that trade. That's a few more than um, uh, six guys. So that's uh, I think that's what, what am I looking at? We're looking at eight eight or so here. So um, and even Curtis, Curtis McDermott could be in that bottom six. So you're so looking at a situation where guys are going to get pushed out, but I don't mind. I think it's important to have um a lot of depth so another solid pickup um 
we can go over the artillery like an in trade later um because that yeah. one's a little bit bigger um do you want to hit any one any more of these minor trades before we get into some of our last big ones um uh, that's pretty good with the minor ones yeah so we're gonna do a second episode where we'll cover the rest of those um so yeah we'll, we'll cover the rest of the minor ones uh in that next one but yeah yeah so with that we'll take a look at some bigger trades just to just to clean this up before we head out for today's episode so the trade that i was thinking we should go over for this one is the andrew cop deal i think that's not yeah. a exorbitantly big trade like um some of the other ones we have lined up for us so just for those of you who haven't heard the new york rangers have acquired forward andrew cop for a sixth excuse me and the sixth round pick in the 2023 nhl entry draft from the winnipeg jets they gave up morgan Barron and two conditional second round picks in the 2022 um, or 2023 um, nhl draft and then you've got a fifth rounder in 2022 that they also had to give up. Um, what are your thoughts on that trade? Yeah, obviously New York seem or the Rangers seem to be seem to be stacking up here. I was I was not expecting them to be huge buyers at the deadline, but uh, you know I think a lot of people have said, and I I agree. I think the New York Rangers did a really great job at this deadline. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look here. What are the conditions on the second rounders? Do you know? I don't, but I believe it's a year-based thing um, in terms of if the Rangers have success in the playoffs. Um, okay. So it's, it's a pretty straightforward one. I don't think any of them turn into first rounders, yeah. um, but I could be wrong on that. In terms of Andrew Kopp himself, I like that trade. I think Andrew Kopp is an outstanding forward he's he's really good in transition this year he's been really successful he's mm-hmm. got 14 goals 24 assists and 38 points he's got a plus minus of two he has only eight pins That's yeah huge. and he's actually had uh three points in his last two games with new york mm-hmm. so obviously that's a very small sample size but you know he's making an impact right off the bat so um, yeah and i have the conditions up here for the picks so the Jets yeah. are receiving a 2022 second round pick that becomes a first rounder if the Rangers win two rounds and they're getting a okay. second rounder in 2022 or 2023. Um, I don't believe that the conditions on that um, are, are anything like I um, crazy. I think it's just dependent on um, which year they have playoff success and whatnot. So mm-hmm. a potential first rounder. Yes, but that makes sense. Right, because that second round pick become there. Those of you don't see what the um, what's going on here. They're looking to get someone between the twenty fifth and I guess I'd say maybe the thirty fifth or fortieth pick. Yeah. Um, and they're saying that you know if this is a second rounder and it's going to be it should be early, closer to the first round. If you guys do get past two rounds, then we this is going to be a later first round pick. Yeah, that which. We're in that slot. Which, throwing that back to the uh, Marc-Andre Fleury trade, exact same thing. They're looking for that late round first or early second, based on how it goes. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting. I think the, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that GMs do it that way. But, you know, it makes sense. Um, yeah, as as a uh, Hurricanes fan, you know, obviously I'm – I'm thinking the Rangers aren't going to make it out of the the uh, the Metropolitan Division on top, but I mean, you know, any you know, it's hard to hard to predict these things, and um, yeah, 
Yeah. Totally. And one thing with Andrew Kopp is his shooting percentage is at 9.1%. So that's not super, super low. Um, I think that's, that's around average. That's right? around average, but yeah. his NHL career average is 10.7%. So it's yeah. absolutely not a crazy thing for him to probably have a few more goals in the playoffs if he um, if he gets a shooting up. Again, that's really dependent. And um, over the course of his career, he's a low PIMS guy, which is really big for a New York yeah, Rangers team that can always use some um, more stability, especially in that middle six region. Um, I really like that he's only put up 82 PIMS in his almost 470 game career. So I like yeah. that. Um, do you want to go over the Max Domi trade? Yeah, um, let's cover that. Before we yeah. go the, uh, to that, I also just want to add on uh, Andrew Cobb is currently playing on a line with, I believe, Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin. Yeah. So he's um, playing with, I, I don't remember players. who he played with on, on Winnipeg, but that's that's hard to beat. Yeah, that's, in terms a sick, of, that's a sick line. Um, yeah. Before we go so, on, spitball question. Who wins, yeah. um, Winnipeg or New York? Ooh, that's tough. You can also say even. I think there's so much resting on the conditional picks, but that's that's tough. I mean, I'm okay. I'm gonna go with Winnipeg on this one, which I think might be a little controversial. But let me explain why. I think that this year for whatever reason, there were a ton of overpays. I mean, we're, we're not going to cover all of these trades today. We'll, we'll cover them in the next episode. But like, if you look at, for example, Brandon Hagel, I, I think there were a lot of overpays this draft. And while Cop is a good player, two early or late first slash uh, early seconds for him, I think personally that's a little high. One of those, maybe. Um but, yeah, don't forget Morgan Barron. Yeah, that too. So he's, I'm gonna he's go studded. with New York. I'm gonna go with Winnipeg in this one. But frankly, it's not by a lot. You know, I think if obviously if Andrew Cobb goes on a tear, then you know I'd I'd say New York came out on top. But um, looking at this from the way it is, I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go with uh, with Winnipeg on this one. I also personally think that the Rangers are. They're going all in pretty early here. I think like, so too. I think they're going to, I think they should probably wait for Lafreniere to actually. Yeah, I think they need to wait for some of those younger guys to give them one or two years of playoff. Lafreniere and Lafreniere have not done anything like Jack Hughes. They're not, yeah, so they're not, they're not moving. They're, yeah, I think they got rushed, but we'll talk yeah, about that. I, I, I think so too, but I, I suppose we'll see how it goes. I mean, that's yeah. the argument also made with Carolina because a lot of uh, critics said. Oh, Carolina didn't do well at this year's draft, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, is Carolina, I feel like the cup window for Carolina, uh, unlike a team opening. like per se, Florida. Yeah, it's just opening. And there's several more years, so it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to go all in now. No, you know, totally. go all in when, you know, Ajo's after his prime, you know, when those players, and Slavin's in his like 30s, you know, once, once when you're they your last get, chance, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's when you go all in. Because um, I think, and I, I mean, given I'm a little biased here, but I think that even though Carolina didn't do a ton at the deadline, I think they're they're still a force to be reckoned with come playoff time. I, I agree too. I think they're only missing a few good goal scorers. Yeah. And um the uh, other players here and there. I feel like just the games recently have just been unlucky. Like our game last game against the Dallas Stars. I don't know if you that was saw brutal. I watched overtime. I was away, but yeah, I was able to I get unfortunately wasn't able to. The shot differential was forty seven to fifteen. They outshot the stars by 
32. Like yeah. some teams don't even put up that many shots in a game. I know, right? Insane. So it's it's tough. And we had another game too where we played uh, the Rangers and we put, I don't remember, the shot differential it wasn't was 32, one. but it was like it was a big 45 one. to 20 something. Like it was, yeah. it was big. Yeah. Um, um, those older goalies are stealing from you. I actually remember yeah. that night when the Dallas Stars game happened, I was sitting with my parents and I was like, I'm going to try and guess the shootout numbers here. I think Dallas is going to win. I think Wedgwood's going to steal. He's already saved yeah. so much. When you see that shot differential, you can tell that justice yeah. well, is not going to get I, I checked in the game and in the game, like halfway through the second, I want to say, like, I just looked at the stats on my phone. The shot differential, I think halfway into the game was like 18, three. It was, brutal. it was just, yeah. I don't, I don't know how we lost that, but yeah, I actually anyways. guessed every single shootout except for one. I think yeah. I'm. I think I missed one of the Dallas players' ones. Um. By the way, just before we um get too far off topic, um, Morgan Barron, who was also in the Andrew Cop deal, he was the ECAC Player of the Year in 2020. He was NCAA okay. Eastern Conference First All Star Team, and he in 2020 as well. And he was an ECAC First All Star Team in 2019-2020. What uh? So, what team did he play with? Um. I am not quite sure. Um. I can tell you that right now. He played with Cornell um cornell so okay very, that's interesting, interesting actually cornell yeah. it's not no, he, i would have expected i think quinnipiac is the usually one of the better teams i, I feel like i yeah. hear that yeah that. quinnipiac was good they had devontae's no but he had yeah. 32 and 29 in 2019 20 yeah season so honestly really good solid prospects that's, yeah he's living that's at actually, prospect age i think if he goes and plays in the ahl for two years he'll be good so yeah. i actually the, think big fleece by winnipeg to an extent yeah, the the ECAC is interesting. Like it, it's not one of the stronger NCAA hockey divisions. But every once in a while, they they have some decent player that that you hear. Um, same thing. I feel like with uh, with hockey East in a way. I I feel like I mean there was Kale McCarr, but I I feel like there's not as much talent in the, some of those Northeastern. Yeah, it really depends from year to year because some yeah. years you you have um, ridiculous teams. Um, like uh, BU and BC. Well, BU and BC are pretty consistently insane, but some yeah. years you have like ridiculous teams there, and there's mm-hmm. almost no there's no chance for anyone else to have success. And then there are other times when you see schools with um fairly solid um fairly solid uh, uh rosters all around, and there's more competition. Um, but yeah, an, an interesting setup there. So you're the Carolina fan here, so. Tell me, what is this Max Domi deal about? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Where do where do you find yourself? Yeah, feeling? so um, I'm not gonna lie. When I I found out, so I was uh, on Monday. Uh, I was just the entire day just on my phone, Twitter, Instagram, just refreshing constantly, as one does on the trade deadline. And I was like, w- the entire day, I was like, when are the Hurricanes gonna do something? Because I I figured they weren't gonna make a big splash. You know, especially as bigger names started coming off the boards, I figured, okay, they're not going to do anything huge because also Waddell said he didn't want to trade away a first rounder for a rental, which given the way that the trade deadline has been this year, that's not going to get you very far. So anyways, at 2.59, the trade for Max Domi was submitted. It didn't go through because there was a big backlog for it. So it didn't become official until later that evening. And then even then the details were still a little hairy. But basically what happened was I, okay. I think this is how it goes. Basically Carolina contacts Columbus and they're like, Hey, we want Max Domi. 
so they send over to Columbus two prospects. Uh, let me pull up those names real quick. Uh, one of them was a Russian prospect who's in the KHL. Um, yeah, Igor. Yeah. Um, the Florida Panthers get Igor. Um, Igor. I can't pronounce that. Korshkov. We'll guess that, and then yeah. Um, Columbus ends up with Aiden Hreshek. Aiden Hreshek. Yeah. Okay. I was not sure. Yeah. And then Tyler Inamoto. Is that yeah? So Tyler Inamoto actually goes back to Carolina, which is right. interesting. I so when the trade came out, it the initial details were just Aiden Hreshek going to Columbus for Max Domi, which really those are the notable pieces because if you think about. Uh, the, the other Russian prospect, there's a good chance he just stays in Russia. Um, and when I saw that, I, I couldn't believe it, frankly. You know, I, I, thought, I thought it was like one of those meme pages that pretends to be one of the big news reporters. I, I could not believe. Dude, I fell for one of those. I fell for one of those with yeah. the Giordano to Toronto <laughs> yeah. trade. It was so bad. Yeah. It was so, I fell for, and I fell for like the terms and everything. It was brutal. Yeah, it was, yeah, there, there's a lot of those pages out there. Um, but anyways, so basically the Hurricanes get Max Domi for essentially not a whole lot. Uh, Aiden Freshuk is, he's been decent this year, but he's, I don't think he's going to compare to be, you know, anything super, super great. Uh, I think he was a fourth rounder in 2021, so he's also got time. Scoring, to they're not scoring much in the NCAA. Him or Tyler yeah, in a moto, yeah. but um, yeah. But so yeah, Weird. Max Domi. A lot of people, obviously, obviously, he's one of those pesky players to play against. You know, I think he almost like sucker punched Seth Jarvis a few games ago. You know, but the truth, the the truth of the matter is, I I want to say it was like five or six players had played with him at some point. I think it was Kokinemi, Stepan, uh, Ranta, and D'Angelo had all played with Max Domi at some point. Four of those were with Arizona and then Kokinemi with Montreal. Uh, so the, the, the Carolina team knows Domi fairly well. And I, sure, I was a little you know hesitant about it, but hearing some of his interviews and stuff, I think it was a great trade, and I think Don Waddell kind of fleeced that because we're also getting him at 75% retained. So he ends up being only, I think, around over a million dollars to pay him, which is just the amount of cap space that we had. So, yeah, I like the trade. I wasn't actually, because I wasn't able to watch the Stars game the other day, I couldn't see sort of how he played, but I'm hoping to catch a little bit of the St. Louis game tonight, so I'll, I'll get to see sort of firsthand um how he's been but i believe he's started they started him out on the fourth line with i want to say kokinami and stepan uh but he could certainly fill in on the the top six like that could I wonder that could where he happen. gets that nastiness from something about i mean domi his dad <laughs> something i wonder ty domi that's a name I've heard of. Right? Yeah. Isn't he it, good? I mean, I guess it just runs in the family, but um, uh, yeah. people are saying, looks uh, yeah. And someone was saying too, and this would be a really interesting line combination. Think about Domi, Trocek, Niederreiter. How frustrating that line would be to play against. That'd be so and annoying. And then especially if you play like D'Angelo Cole on defense, all five of those are just like pesky players. To play. Oh, there's, so, I remember 
Colsey in um Colorado. He was yeah. He was he was a really solid defenseman. Um, he is. Yeah, I really almost, like Cole this year. Yeah. Few too many penalty minutes, but other than that, I yeah, feel like he's, he's like that. But he's really good at getting um shots into the point to get tips. Yeah, which I, I like. Um, just back to those um uh, prospects, Tyler Inamoto and Aiden Treshik. They're both playing NCAA. I believe that's where they're going to be going. Yeah. Um, they're not putting up a crazy amount of points, but they're also pretty young. I was looking at Drew Hellison, who's sort of like the stock breed for a very physical, good skating um defenseman and yeah. he had a few more points than them and by his senior year he was putting up in the high 20 or mid 20s mm-hmm. um so i think those both those prospects can turn out to be good nhl players i don't think they'll turn out to be superstars but i think they could turn out to be solid middle pairing guys um yeah. if you're lucky if you're not bottom six guy bottom um bottom pairing guys mm-hmm. but um definitely Definitely a fleece. Um, yeah, I think Dumbledore did a if, very good job on this one. If Florida, Florida could win though. If Florida, if that Igor um, uh, guy from the KHL comes in, that's a fleece because I look at his points. He's he's got very solid points. If they get like two three years of play out of him, yeah, then I think they win. Also, I think Max Domi's going to resurge. Like he had those that seventy um, point season, seventy two point season with Montreal yeah. back in eighteen nineteen, and then he had forty four points. Then down to twenty four in a shortened season, and um, then and even he, he rose to thirty two this year, and he's projected to finish off with forty three this year. I think he's going to resurge. I, he, yeah, he's... because if you look at his last few games, he hasn't been putting up anything in his last few games. You know, most of those stats come from earlier in the season. And Carolina, I feel like, and again, I might be biased, but they have a good record with sort of reclamation projects. Like if you look at players like. Tony D'Angelo or Frederick Anderson, James Reimer, like the goalies especially, but Even also, Ian Cole. yeah, Ian Cole. Also, if you look at uh, Jesperi Kokanemi doing much, much better this year, like Carolina has a good way of finding players that aren't doing so hot on other teams, bringing them to Carolina, and then suddenly they, they play really well. Um, yeah, I think, I think it'll be be interesting this off season to see because obviously I, I think Domi's Domi's a rental. I mean, we gave up rental things for him, and I doubt he resigns. But if he does, he great. Um, Do you have the space for him though? Because um, Kokiemi Koki just signed, and I, I want to know your thoughts because he's he's a center, isn't he? He's a winger. Yeah. So center. so he it, plays the same role as Domi. So who would you rather have? So it looks like going forward that Trocek is going to leave. I think the Kokanyemi signing for such a long term pretty much spells the end of Trocek's time in Carolina, which I'm, you know, I'm sad about, but I, obviously I think if Kokanyemi continues to develop, he'll be a much better player than Trocek. Um, then by extension Domi probably. Yeah. I think I could see the Hurricanes potentially re-signing Domi on a short contract. I would hope it's less than his current cap hit though. Um, because that would spell cap issues because we still got Jordan Stahl for a few more years at six million. I feel like a Domi contract like three by four the Domi contract four million. He's making five point one now. So he'll he'll have he'll make the same amount or more, probably. Um although not because I I don't contract us from Montreal. Yes, and I also think he's a UFA. So I don't think he has that qualifying offer. That's true. But to be fair, like his fall from the 70 point season corresponds to the fall of the Canadians before that weird year where they somehow made it to the finals. Yeah. Um, and with the jackets, they also had some struggling times. So 
I think you put him on a good team. He should resurge to 50, 50 to 60 points. So maybe you do have to pay him five, five, five for like two years. I, I think like if you sign him five, five for two years, if he's willing to bet on himself, that wouldn't yeah. be. Could, yeah, if he really if he really does have a resurgence, I wouldn't mind signing him for somewhere around his current cap hit. Yeah. I, I personally think he actually might go down a little bit. I could see like a four five being realistic for one or two yeah. years. But then I could see that. But this is also money that we're talking about and we're playing fantasy GM right now. Yeah, right? exactly. But and the really other thing too. The other thing is Carolina has a couple contracts they have to work out. They have to. I assume they're going to re-sign Niederreiter, and they also have to re-sign Natchez. And, and Natchez is making in the pipeline, right? Sorry, you have some prospects in the pipeline too, don't you? We do, although none of them are none of them are due for any big deals. You know, they might get extended one or two years, but uh, pretty much Natchez and Niederreiter are going to be the two ones to re-sign because it looks like Trocheck is going to leave. But you know, Nita Ryder could easily be for about the same what he is now. But Natchez is definitely, definitely going to go up because currently he's making seven six three k. That's going to be. I could easily game. see him signing four by four. Four, yeah, four by four, somewhere around between four and five for short term. I think he's going to go bridge deal. Um, but that, that leaves a potential because bridge deals. I've noticed that with bridge deal guys, they usually are holding out longer. Because they want that bridge deal, while other while teams want them locked up. So yeah. when you get those holdout situations, you get inflated contracts as the market gets hot. So you'll yeah. face tricky. Um, I wonder if um, Don Waddell is the GM, correct? I'm not yes. Yeah, Don. I wonder if Don Waddell goes to try and re-sign before the playoffs end. I know that that can be suspect because you don't want to be talking contracts while a guy yeah. is still trying to do his thing. But still. Yeah, yeah, that that'll be interesting. Another name I forgot on this list is uh, Tony D'Angelo, which I I think he's gonna resign in Carolina, and he's making one million now. I think he'll go up. I don't I don't remember what his last con his last contract was. What around before it was terminated, of course. Uh, what was it with the New York Rangers? I want to say it was around six million. Yeah, that's where I. I think I had it too. I really don't Maybe imagine five point seven. Uh, oh, it was uh, a two-year nine point six, so just under five. Okay. Five point, yeah, five point seven, five point eight year. No, 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 four point, four point, four point seven, four point. Yeah, I, I could see him going for something like that. I could potentially see him going between the three and four. Uh, for again, a short-term bridge deal, I think is what what I'm looking at there. I just also think uh, he's been good this season in terms of his off ice stuff, but it, I feel like it's always it's gonna be hard to bet on D'Angelo long term. Can't bet uh, on a personality long term. You just can't. Yeah. Um, so and you know, I like him. I I love D'Angelo as a player. Like I said, to be as, clear, as for everyone who heard that, as a player. Yeah. You know, I. You know, he's he seems to be much better off ice, but again, a lot of that's just PR stuff, and he's you know. Yeah, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't too. know him personally. I couldn't tell you, um, but I do know that you know, he's 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 fairly popular here in Carolina, yeah. which maybe just says something more about this market than anything. But yeah. um, either way, either way, the guy, the guy, he's playing for a stacked team for years to come. The Carolina yeah. Hurricanes are going to be a force to be reckoned with in the East yeah. once again. Um, we have a little bit of time here, so I think we can breeze through some of these tiny trades. I don't call or let's tiny. do. Uh, actually, there was one that I wanted to go over that was a mid mid tier one. Yeah. Um, 
It was the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was probably their biggest move there. Uh, they acquired uh, defenseman Mark Giordano. And I believe it was for two second rounds and a third rounder. Was that right? Yeah, I believe that yeah, is... Um, uh, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, two second rounders, a third rounder, and that was it. So that's interesting. I like that move for Toronto. I feel like a lot of Toronto fans, though, were saying it was... They were happy with what went back. But it's expensive. It's I think expensive it's a little bit of an overpay. It's, it's, he's an older guy. Like, he's... He's, he's older and years old. Is his contract? He's is he a rental he's, or he's does on he that, still... He's on that six six seven five contract, I think. Um, but I think that that ends pretty pretty soon. Um, with him, um, he's done fine with the Kraken. He's at forty seven points, even though his plus minus is atrocious with minus twenty seven. Yeah. Um, the thing that'll be interesting to watch is whether he can actually help that defense because I've always seen yeah. him as a good two way guy. But as we know, um, and and he's a good since he has that experience. He's a little older. I think that's good for that that Maple Leafs team, which is you know a little less experienced. Yeah, maybe he going home will help him though. I don't know if yeah. that really helped John Tavares. Um, so uh, it's a it's an it's a trade for sure. Um, yeah, we'll see how it pans out. I know people were joking around. We just heard, him for Mark Giordano only to see him have like a terrible course and fail. I heard and I saw this is actually a very realistic possibility, which I think would just be hilarious. The Florida Panthers and Toronto Maple Leafs could meet up in the first round. So one of them could advance. And <laughs> that would be such a I I think though. I'm I'm putting my money on Florida for that one because Florida almost beat it was what seven games last year they were close with Tampa and and they had injuries too I, yeah I yeah so I think if you go Florida Toronto I I gotta go with Florida on that one if if this is a big if if Toronto actually gets the Mark Giordano that we know and love yeah that's impressive because this season he's got 21 minutes 20 second 26 seconds time on ice average. The course before 52% offensive zone starts 56.2. Um, that's like, like he's been, he's been, he's been doing the work. Um, and that's been pretty impressive. And, yeah. um, in general, um, with, uh, with, uh, blocks and whatnot, he's had 98 blocks this season. Um, that's, that's pretty good for uh, an older guy. Yeah, um, definitely. And, uh, he's been pretty decent in terms of takeaways and giveaways. 32 giveaways, 15 takeaways. I know that's kind of a fake stat, but still interesting to look at that stuff. Yeah. Um, Another thing I've always heard too about blocks, just to put a little context into it. Obviously, yeah, 90 blocks is great, but the blocks as a whole, I think are not a great statistic because you can only block a shot if you're getting shot on. So like when I see the end of game, the better one. Yeah. When I see, when I see like the end of game statistics and it's like, Oh, the team we beat had more blocks. I'm, I'm just thinking in the back of my head, yeah, because we outshot them. Of course, they're gonna block more. We're putting more on their net. So having more blocks, I think looking at it per player is a good thing. But as a team, I, I think it's a meaningful. No, step. I agree. Um, and also some guys are just animals, right? You might get a ton of blocks against the fourth line, but not against the first. Exactly. So obviously, yeah. with obviously with every stat, you need context. Um, but just overall, 98 blocks is pretty good considering yeah. that Seattle was getting sprayed on. And I know as myself as defenseman, 
I <laughs> do I have, do I block every shot that I see? Yeah. No. Um, do I avoid blocking certain shots? Um, no comments. <laughs> um, <laughs> do I have I deliberately gotten out of the way of a shot? Um, potentially almost causing a goal. Um, yes. See, I see. I'm a forward, so I have I have. Yeah, I you mean, don't block shots. I don't block shots. That's not my job. <laughs> you, you, you sit up there and you let those defensemen take shots at us. Yeah. That's the worst thing. I feel like blocking shots as a forward is a lot easier because you can get closer. There. Yeah, you get closer. So the shot doesn't pick. It, it's not yeah. as bad. If you're defenseman, like it's like it's like a yeah. long range. That's the thing is like I play. So I, I play on the wing, right? So my mm-hmm. job in the defensive zone is to watch those point uh, defensemen. And yeah, oftentimes what's good enough is just going up and getting your stick in front yeah, of theirs. Yeah, yeah. Because even back. as a forward, you're not expected to block as much. And because of where you are positionally, you can be re- much more effective just blocking with your stick sure, than having sure. to put your entire body in front of the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so props to those people like Nicholas Yalmerson and, and, and uh, guys like that who just love to eat up shots. Yeah, because that's the um, thing. Monsters. I think a lot of people don't realize, yes, you have a lot of equipment as a hockey player, but blocking shots still hurts. Like It, it hurts so much. Even if it hits you in a well-protected area, it's still going to – Yeah, you still you're gonna feel the impact. Also, yeah. people don't realize how heavy a puck is like, or how dense it is either. Like, yeah. People think it's like this like rubber flimsy thing, sort of like what you get with those practice pucks um, and – Oh, the blue, blue, blue puck yeah, warmies? Not even the blue puck ones, like those foam ones that you sometimes see that, like, if you drop on the ground, will bounce 50 feet in the air. I think that's a real puck. Yeah. Um, can you, if, do you have a real puck in your hand? I right do now? have one here. Can you, like, can you, like, bang that on a table real quick? Yeah, so I've got a table here, and it's, uh, I don't know. Let me see if I can point the mic here real quick. Give me one second. Yeah, so these pucks are pretty much just, they, they just feel like rocks. Like, that that wasn't even That's me hitting foam. it. That's yeah. You stand in front of that going at seventy miles an hour. Feel our pain. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not comfortable. And by the um, way, seventy miles an hour is what we face. Those guys are facing hundred mile an hour shots. Yeah, that's true. So that's, that's crazy. True. Yeah. So um, we'll hit one last minor trade here, one or two. Zach Sanford um is going to Winnipeg from Ottawa in exchange for a fifth round pick. Good physical guy. I like the trade. Um, yeah, more it's depth. one of those ones where I'll say. We'll say this for a lot of trades. I think we can probably say this for a number of ones we'll go over right now. Um, good. We'll see if he actually makes an impact. Um, yeah. Sometimes he they actually has impact. decent stats for a fourth liner. He does. 65 games, nine goals, nine assists. Um, yeah, so it's fairly he's, decent. He's physical. Yeah, we're looking at 37. Reminds me of the Cogliano move. Pretty yeah. much the exact same thing as well. Except um, he's a little younger than Cogliano. Yeah, he is. But, he is. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's idea. a good move for Winnipeg. Where I'm trying to remember, where does Winnipeg's they're, – they're vying for a playoff spot right now. They are. They are currently so, pushing in the central um, to maintain and and really take over a spot that's close to like third or third in the central. Yeah, they've got a um, decent bit to – They do have. They well, do have a decent way to work their way up yeah. right now, though. Because it's it's very worse. interesting looking at it. Like the West, there are a couple teams that are locked in. You know, obviously Colorado's make it. It's going to be Colorado, Minnesota, and St. Louis, maybe in the maybe top two. But sure. definitely, definitely Minnesota, Colorado are going to be your top two. Then you're looking at the Pacific, where it's definitely Calgary. Below that, you could really have anything, but I think Edmonton will probably make it. Yeah. Um, but in the East, the teams are set. Like mm-hmm. the. The second wild card team right now is Washington. Below that is Columbus, and there is a 14 point difference. 
mm-hmm. between those two. So the teams in the East are set at this point. Like yeah. it's it's just going to be down to who plays who. But the the West, there's a little more of a race there because if yeah. you're not Colorado or Calgary, everyone from so Minnesota is the highest in that list, all the way down to let's say Winnipeg. There's an eight point difference between those. 10 18 yeah. eight now mind so. you the jets are last there and they not last them but they're last in that list yeah. um and they also have the most games in um played um with 66 the thing that i say though is their last 10 has been uh seven three and zero and they're on a one game win streak mm-hmm. so when i say they could compete for third or fourth it's so easy when you play um in division games where yeah. you play that team and you can leapfrog them pretty quickly if you string together two, three divisional or conference games. So they are really looking to hit that wild card spot. Um, but I think with the quality of the team, I think that they have a chance at getting to the Predators or Blues in that third or fourth spot. Um, yeah. But certainly going to be a race to the end for them. That's what they're vying for. That's best case scenario. I think most likely is that um, that second wild card spot, but who knows with uh, yeah. what's going on and with an, Vegas. Yeah, another interesting stat I saw just in terms of the standings. Uh, and this is just goes to show how hockey is so unpredictable. The final four teams last year, three of them are out of the playoff picture, and two of them are, are definitely not going to make it. And then one might. So of the four final teams last year, it was Tampa Bay, Vegas, uh, the Islanders and Montreal. The Islanders and Montre- Montreal are out. I think Montreal actually might be yeah, mathematically no, eliminated no, Ma- Montreal at this point. is officially out. And that's yeah. the one news I wanted to hit today. So Montreal's out. Officially out. New York isn't going to make it. They're, They're just not. not. They, have, they have like every team. Has, I think I saw a stat that's like, Every team in the East has to lose to them. Um, for the, like they have to win almost every single game left. Yeah. Um, and every They're... other team has to lose to the Western Conference teams that they have remaining, or something ridiculous. Yeah. No, New York is not going to. Although interestingly, I saw a stat: New York is in the Islanders are in the top ten for goals uh, against per game. So they they have a low. They they keep. Goals that's out the of their own net, but they just can't score. That's the Barry Trotz effect. Like, yeah, um, it's it's sort of just how that works. Um, he's such a good coach defensively, and that's why Matt Barzell's points have gone down. It's because he's having to play more two way. Um, yeah, I also think that beginning stretch, which we've, we've touched on this so many times, so we don't need to um, be a dead horse, as the expression goes. Yeah. Um, obviously. Obviously, they had a struggle in the beginning, which derailed their season. They've had some similar issues to Vegas with injuries. Yeah. What I'm interested to see is in the Western Conference and Eastern Conference, there's two or three teams that have had patches where they're outstanding because of resurgences and patches where I'm like, are you sure? Like the Predators, Matt Duchesne's done an unbelievable job. So I wonder how they'll do. Um, with the LA Kings, I wonder if they can sustain this and keep this up. They're currently second in the Pacific. And then in the Eastern Conference, I question, are the Red Wings going to get in the playoffs? Is this going to happen? And then with the Capitals, I have my questions. I've seen them a few times, and I'm going to be seeing them again against Minnesota. So yeah. I, I, I I'm doubt, curious. I, I doubt Detroit makes it. You do? Um, they, yeah, they sit 22 points out right now. Are the Caps contender spitball answer? Yes or no? Ooh, I, I, I go with, I'm going to go with yes. I'm going to go with yes. I think... They're not as dominant regular season as they have been. 
Um, yeah. But An acquiescent yes to say. Yeah, but I think yeah, I, I think that they're. The, I feel like the Cavs just in general are. They're they're always a good team come playoff time because they're so experienced. Yeah. Now I say that, and they've been knocked out in the first round the last. I don't remember how many years. But they make it there. They get there. Yeah, they make it there. And they had obviously that long stretch where they were such a good regular season team and then choked the playoffs every year. Yeah. Um, um, but we'll talk yeah, about their I trades think that's the thing, though, is as a Carolina fan, it looks like we're going to win the Metro, which means no, I think gonna... I think you have it locked up. Yeah. Which means that we go against one of those two wildcard teams. I don't want to play Boston. Or Washington. Although, actually, right now it's oh, right now it's hold on. Right now, as it right stands, now it is Boston, isn't it? No, it's Toronto and Washington. Oh my God! So if you Toronto know, Toronto, I think that. is going to be the only team that I'd be more excited to play. But I mean, Toronto's good offensively. We're just going to have to hope on the fact that they just pull a Toronto. You're just hoping you don't play the Penguins. That's what you're really hoping yeah, for. yeah. The Penguins, the have Penguins not... are such a sleeper team. Yeah, um, I think in the East, my sleeper teams are the the, the Penguins. Um, I guess I guess the Bruins are a bit of a sleeper team, yeah. so not really a favorite. And then in the West, all right. Actually, I'm not gonna say anything about the West because that's my conference. I, I can <laughs> I'm not, nope. Yeah. I'm not questioning anything there. <laughs> Avs all the way, baby. <laughs> all right, go Avs, go. Um, yeah, no, I think I'd be surprised if the Avs aren't the. Honestly, no, I'd be surprised don't, if the don't, Avs don't, don't, don't make it to. That. No, no, don't, don't. Nope. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, won't, I, I won't continue with that thought, but I think you know where I'm going with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I've yeah. actually had. Oh well, no! I, I won't go. I won't go and say that. But um, yeah. Yeah, because now we're talking about we can't talk about our own. Yeah, teams. we can't get a little little too. Then, you know, you don't want to jinx it. We're superstitious. But um, yeah. thank you for everyone who's listened to this point. Um. Yeah. Thank um, you. I'm glad that a lot of you have actually stuck through and watched that. Um that clip of me in the beginning and listen to it of me um pumping the tires of anchor um once again go check them out anchor.fm um it'd be it'd be very very cool of you all to start using them so all the cool kids do like us but with that we'll be looking at the rest of our trades and tomorrow and get excited because this is the push to the playoffs we'll be having episodes um as often as we can we'll be we putting out some more posts on instagram as always, feel free to contact us, DM me or Josiah. Um, preferably go to the Asians Talking Puck account on Instagram. If you like what we're doing, feel free to leave us a rating on Apple or on Spotify and uh, show, show our podcast to your friends. Um, and with that, thanks for listening. 